0: Welcome to the St. Coleman Catholic Church Podcast from Pompano Beach. Be sure to follow us on Apple Podcast and Spotify so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode from St. Coleman. Welcome to episode 51 of the St. Coleman Podcast. All of us at the parish, hope you're having a very blessed Advent. Well, this time of year, we get a lot of questions uh, when is Mass on Christmas Eve? Do you have a Mass at midnight? What time are Masses on Christmas Day? We have all of our Mass schedules posted on our website at st.colman.org and in the church bulletin, so please go there to check. We will say that there is no Mass at midnight on Christmas Eve. That's at 10 p.m., but you can get the whole schedule on the website or the church bulletin. Well, we have Christmas ornaments. Our second annual Christmas ornament is now for sale and we also have a few left over from last year. So you get sort of the bundle. If you did not get one last year, you can get both of them um, sort of at a bundle package price. Again, that information is also on the website and in the church bulletin. Well, here in the holiday season, a lot of people experience grief because they've lost someone and perhaps they haven't fully processed their emotions. And next month, we're going to have a constructive grief seminar, led by longtime parishioner John Reiniger, who is a psychotherapist here in South Florida. He's been a parishioner a long time, and he's also dealt with crisis situations and with helping people deal with grief for many, many years. We have John with us today. John, thanks for being here. We wanted to um, have you in to sort of tell us about this grief seminar that's coming up. And uh, first of all, just maybe uh, you've been a member. How long have you been a member of St. Coleman?
1: Well, I've been a member of St. Coleman's since the mid-1970s, and I actually have had the privilege of serving Mass for every pastor of St. Coleman's, including the very first one.
0: And so, but, but in all your time at St. Coleman, this is, is this is the first time you're participating in one of these conferences, or, or not conferences, but like workshops on grief, right?
1: That is correct, on grief. I've done engagement encounters there, but I have not done anything on grief.
0: Well, talk a little bit about your experience in terms of, of crisis situations. I can remember actually serving with you at some masses that you and I have done where you you weren't there because you got called out uh, to some crisis in, in some other part of the country. So tell us a little bit about your work.
1: Well, I've worked uh, in crisis dynamics probably, well, since before nine 11, I was actually called in to work the nine 11 site in New York right afterwards. Um, probably around 2000 plus cases, everything ranging from um, a bank robbery to um, to uh, homicides uh across the country over in the islands uh they've flown me over for a situation so it, it's but the common denominator is people are hurting people are frightened people are worried and how do i my role is to kind of help stabilize a situation that's quite unique to anybody who's experienced it and give them some coping skills, and that really kind of feeds into what I'm doing here at uh, St. Coleman's in this seminar.
0: All right, so this seminar is a lot. It's not. A, it's not a support group. It's being built as a seminar, a constructive session. Tell us exactly what it is and how it is different from a, a typical support group.
1: Well, there's going it, it has some support group elements, but in general, it's uh, giving the attendees information about how to take good care of themselves, how to maintain healthy relationship with the family around them and and also to continue the connecting bond with the deceased. In, in in a loving way it's not forgetting the deceased but how do we integrate that into the life that they do have in the in the situation that they're, they're currently living in so uh, the there'll be some uh, and it's uh, very obviously voluntary but there's going to be some uh, work uh, journaling actually that's going to be private their eyes only not to be shared but so there'll be some processing of of the pain the hurt the emptiness that uh, people experience when they lose a the loved one um, we move from that to then doing some addressing at least in the first day some of the myths about uh, grieving uh, and how what what's the counterpoint how do you grieve in a healthy way and then we go into uh, some coping skills uh, we and, and we work uh, a little bit with that and then the bottom line the whole dynamic of the the workshop is uh, the, the, uh, honor yourself and the emotions that's the hurt uh, then begin a healing process and a rebalancing process to move into a hopeful future so that's kind of the whole dynamics of the workshop
0: you know John we hear we hear that old adage that time makes everything better but I wonder if people, can get stuck in their grief. I, I've actually known people that 10 years after someone died would, would break down and cry just at the mention of their name. They didn't seem, it seemed to be like the day before. Talk about that, The people can be stuck. Is that how you see it?
1: Well, it, it is, yes, it, I see it happening. And they, what, when people grieve, they, they, there's the initial, uh, I call it tsunami of emotions, uh of thinking uh, your life has turned upside down okay uh, and rebalancing a life that's radically different subsequent to that loss people are quite, quite frankly many times worn out and they can stay stuck in it because they don't have the either tools or the energy or the belief that to move forward in a healthy direction and un- part of living life is risk so if i stay stuck in the grief i i know what the risks are you know i'm I'm dealing with that but um how do we honor our life and those around us and move forward and that's hopefully what i'll be able to pass on to some people and, and some good uh, give you some good illustrations too in the seminar people have done that and uh, that uh, they know about but uh, being stuck believe it or not is a safe place to be because then i won't be hurt anymore and but that is um in uh, time, the time element, all of us in this workshop uh, spent a lot of time in school. However, uh, we'd still be in the first grade if we did not put some effort into our education. So effort and time is how you kind of rebalance after uh, after a loss.
0: I can imagine someone sitting in the church pew before mass reading the bulletin, reading about this seminar that's coming up, or hearing this podcast episode and thinking, wow, that could really help me, but they might be nervous. They might be hesitant or unsure about participating. What would you say to them?
1: Well, anytime you face a trauma, it, it is not comfortable because of the emotions, the changes, it, uh, it, it, it occurred in the trauma. However, I believe, and this comes back to our our, our Catholic Christian heritage, a deep breath and a prayer says, let's face this and see what can be done. Because there's nobody in that church or in the seminar workshop that hasn't faced challenges before. And they were they were difficult, but they faced them and worked through them. And uh, that way, you're in charge versus the trauma in charge. In other words, people, and it, it sounds probably kind of radical, have been victimized by the loss. Something's been taken from them, okay? Living as a victim is not very empowering. How do you become uh, a survivor and a thriver beyond the loss? And it doesn't minimize the relationship, but it does uh, honor the potential of the individual.
0: Okay, last question. How do you integrate, you know most people when they go to counseling, they're not they're not going to Christian counselors, but as a Christian, uh, as a, someone who's Catholic, and and you have all your professional experience, how do you integrate those two when you, when you help people, even even if the person coming to you they might not be Catholic
1: or Christian? Well, there is a sense of spirituality, and and I, I have the privilege to work. with a lot of Christian uh, Catholic uh, people in my practice, but also work with uh, non-Christians. And the sense of spirituality, what I find, and if I can digress, when I go on trauma sites and trauma sites are the complete spectrum of, of uh, businesses, of, of situations from uh, mom and pop to national corporations, invariably, uh, when you deal with death and trauma is, is spirituality. And uh, you honor that. But I like to see where the people are, how important their sense of spirituality is to them, how they've developed it. And then we're um, going to address it directly or indirectly, depending on the individual. But it, it is it's part of life. Good physical health, emotional health, spiritual health. Those are the three things I always emphasize. All
0: right, thanks for your time, John. So just to recap, this is going to be a grief seminar for you, and it's going to be Two different sessions, Thursday, January 18th, and Thursday, January 25th at 7 o'clock at the Holy Family Center here at St. Coleman. During Advent, many people miss the meaning of this season, becoming so distracted by the glitzes of colored lights, early Christmas music, parties, sales pitches for shopping and vacation plans that they do not have time for God. Don't let the busyness of the world take your focus off of the meaning of Advent, which is preparation and anticipation of the coming of Christ. Be sure to take time during Advent to reflect on the birth of Christ and how it fulfills the promises of the Old Testament. So, with all the busyness of December, make sure to faithfully attend Mass and go to confession before Christmas and be ready for the coming of Christ. As we continue through Advent, one of the traditions that Catholics love to do is to set up a nativity scene in their home. Now, sometimes it's a small display inside the house. Some people like to do one outside the house as well. And Pope Francis wrote a beautiful apostolic letter a few years ago on the meaning of the nativity scene. And he reflected on the beauty and significance of the creche. The apostolic letter was written to bishops and priests and all the Catholic faithful, and it was meant to encourage all of us to reflect on the meaning and the importance of the Nativity scene in our own lives and our own community. The Holy Father began the letter by expressing his admiration for the Nativity scene, which he describes as a tender and evocative image that has remained etched in the hearts of believers. He notes that the Nativity scene captures the essence of the Christmas story and reminds us of the humility and simplicity of the birth of Christ, as well as the love and compassion of God. Pope Francis goes on to reflect on the various elements that we find in the nativity scene and the meaning that they hold for Christians. For example, he talked about the stable, which he describes as a humble and austere place that reminds us of the poverty and vulnerability of Christ's birth. He also discusses the figures of Mary and Joseph, who he describes as the first witnesses to the miracle of the incarnation. Now, one of the reasons the Holy Father wrote this apostolic letter was to remind us that the nativity scene is a tool for evangelization and that we are all, through our baptism, missionary disciples. So, even by having a nativity scene in your home, it's a very small way, but it is a way of evangelization for people that might be visiting you. During the holidays, Pope Francis notes that the nativity scene's simplicity and beauty make it accessible to people of all ages and backgrounds, and that it can serve as a powerful tool for sharing the gospel message with others. He encourages Christians to use the nativity scene as a way to bring the good news of salvation to the world and to invite others to encounter the love and mercy of God. His letter also discusses the role of the nativity scene in promoting peace and justice in the world. Pope Francis notes that the scene reminds us of the need to care for the most vulnerable among us and to work towards creating a more just, an equitable society. He encourages Catholics to use the nativity scene as quote a powerful tool of dialogue and fraternity with others and use its message of peace and love to help build bridges and foster greater understanding and harmony among all people. Now you can read his letter about the nativity scene on the Vatican website. It was published in 2019 and towards the end of the letter Pope Francis offers some suggestions of how you can make the nativity scene a more meaningful and enriching part of your Advent and Christmas celebration. He suggests that you take time to reflect on the different elements of the scene and to consider the ways in which they can incorporate its message of love, compassion, and peace into your life. And he also encourages you to visit nativity scenes in your local community. Overall, this apostolic letter on the nativity is a powerful reflection on the beauty and significance of the nativity scene. Through our Holy Father's insights and guidance, he encourages us to rediscover the joy and meaning of Christmas and to use the nativity scene as a tool for evangelization, dialogue, and peace. And he reminds us of the love and mercy of God and the need to care for the most vulnerable among us. Now let's talk about this tradition of of the Nativity scene. Do you know how this started? Well, it goes back to St. Francis of Assisi. According to tradition, he was inspired by a visit to the Holy Land where he saw the places where Jesus was born, lived, and died. And he wanted to create a way for people to experience the story of Christ's birth in a more personal and intimate way. So he came up with this idea of recreating the nativity scene. Now he first did this in a small Italian town in the year 1223. He set up a stable with a manger and placed a real baby in the manger to represent the infant Jesus. And he also invited local people to come and see the scene and to participate in a reenactment of the story of Christ's birth. And this had such an impact that it became a local tradition. And soon, nativity scenes were being created in other Italian towns, and the tradition grew and grew. Over the centuries, the tradition of the nativity scene has evolved and taken many different forms. In some places, the nativity scene is very static. You have the figures of Mary and Joseph and the baby Jesus and the animals in the stable. In other places, it's more elaborate. You have live actors that might be playing the roles of Mary and Joseph and the shepherds. Some nativity scenes even use live animals. Regardless of whatever form it takes, the nativity scene is an important part of the Christmas season for so many of us. It's a reminder of the story of Christ's birth and the humble beginnings of the Savior of the world. It also serves as a reminder of the love and compassion of God, who sent his son to be born among us and to bring hope and salvation to all people. And for Christians, it's an important cultural and artistic tradition. So remember, it's actually a form of evangelization. And when you set up your nativity scene in your home, inside or maybe outside, remember, you're giving testimony to the birth of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to the St. Coleman Catholic Church Podcast. If you want to be notified every time we release a new episode, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And be sure to spread the word about our parish podcast.